Hi guys, this is Rachel in Recover. We've got a special guest today, Bob. He's joining us today. He's going to tell us a little bit about himself. Uh, hi, Rachel. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, yes, my name is Bob, and um, I am a 40-something uh, man who um, has a great job where I do finance and accounting work. Um, I have a nice uh, you know, social life and a good nightlife, and I was just interested in coming on the story to talk about um, my, the background I have, but uh, kind of related to my mother. Um, Rachel's you know, show is great, and I, I, I appreciate what you've been doing for people to help them have a way to talk about and hopefully heal. Um, now, my experience um, basically is I was raised by a very good and loving woman, uh, my mother, who very tragically sad was raised uh, by you know, some very not so good people. And she unfortunately experienced a lot of types of abuses, including sexual abuse. Um, so I came on here today because my mother who passed away 20 years ago, she, you know, she could not talk about it. She had a lot of trouble living her, her, her adult life. And I wanted, I wanted to offer the, the, uh, the information or the insight from someone who was a bit of an observer um, and uh, because I think there's I think there's a lot of good and bad that can come from understanding the perception uh, of, of a person who was trying her best to deal with it um, you know a point of view of someone who realized the fight and the struggle she was going through so that maybe in some way it could help some other people out there today uh, we're going to get into some questions, and I think you've started to answer this one, but we're going to ask it anyways to uh, help you format all of your answer. Do you want to talk about your mother's abuse? Well, from a very personal uh, reason, is because my mother, who did everything in her power to be a loving, caring, and she was a loving, caring person, uh, got, you know, got married uh, to my father for 29 years. Um, she passed away right before the 30th. But what I saw was a person who was very um, impacted. Um, she struggled very much with the, the pain that comes with that type of, uh, of abuse. And I, I really do believe that my mother probably went through a lot of things that a lot, a lot of other people in her shoes did, which was a very unfair um, guilt that, that she felt something that was not her fault but she she knew I knew my father knew um, that her decision making her um, her behavior trying to be a mother trying to be a, a spouse um, these things were impacted by her upbringing and for my mother it was very hard for her um, and I'm sure we'll go into more and maybe some other questions about it. Um, but she never, she never really got a chance to, to, you know, find closure. And uh, as a son, uh, looking back and, and now being, you know, an adult myself, I, I think I understand where she was and what she was dealing with better. And again, uh, my my hope is that by talking about that, I might be able to offer support. Um, to anyone who was also in her shoes that might be struggling with things like, you know, the, the fight to talk with it, the, the, the fight to go to therapy, the feelings that she experienced, they're complicated. And 
I think as their son, I might be able to offer to other men and women in, in that shoes about why um, I would encourage you to get the help and the treatment and, and never feel guilty about something that was never your fault. Um, and to, to have an honest critique, if you will, about what impact that has on a person as they grow, they go through life. So um, to answer that question. Um, what was the relationship between your mother and father? Now, th- this is always something that's very difficult for me to, to really admit to. But I think my father, uh, he, he met my mother not that long out of the Navy, um, you know, back during the Vietnam era. And I think they liked each other. I think they loved each other. My father didn't know because my mother wasn't, uh, you know, understandably going to talk about that past like that with, with a man she had met and wants to have a future. Um, I think my mother liked my dad. And there's a, there's an old saying that they even admitted out loud. That's my, my mom liked my dad when he when she met him. But she kind of fell in love with his family life. His family life was totally different from her upbringing. My father offered a sort of normalcy, uh, a type of... Um, family structure where there there is love and support um and her upbringing was the total opposite of that now what happened with my father as the years went on he started to understand um that she did suffer these abuses and he did try to help her but what happened and i always have a hard time saying it like this but from my point of view as a young child uh i was 24 when my mom died uh she only she only uh, she died when she was fifty four, and what I observed and what I now understand better is in, in a lot of ways my parents' relationship after after a while wasn't really romantic. Uh, it wasn't really a, a a marriage contract of like success and careers that some people get into, um, but it, but it wasn't really romantic. After a while, I think my father found himself a bit in a role of a caretaker, trying to help his wife who he loved very much but didn't always know what to do because i know from my father who's alive and well today he he told me uh, in my adult years that he tried to encourage my mother to go get you know to, to get therapy and treatment but she was so traumatized that she she couldn't bring herself to want to talk to another adult about you know the intensity of it and everything she went through so my father, I think, did the best he can as a loyal husband um, to take care of his, uh, his wife. But in a lot of ways, what I saw was, was my father acting more like a caretaker because, to, in a lot of ways, my mother, psychologically speaking, had some, some severe damage. Um, and forgive me for using the word damage, but this is one of the reasons why I'm talking about this is is a person goes through life. When my mother was traumatized, she got out of the household that, that traumatized her when she was 17. And life with all the ups and the downs and the hardships, the, just the things we naturally go through, if you're not receiving professional help from, from trained medical professionals, it's only going to be harder on you as you get older. And that's what happened to my mother. She, she was feeling all of those emotions and never could talk. She never could bring herself to talk to a professional. And I think part of that was the fact that I I think, I think in in sexual abuse survivors or any abuse survivor to be, to be honest, there's this, there's this intrinsic thing to say, 
why did these people do such a horrendous thing to me? Was, was it because I did something? The answer to that is no. The people that that were responsible for you, they weren't right in the head. But what happens to a child is, um, like for my mother, these people they they did some they did some bad, very bad things to her, and it's a natural thing for 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 a person to say. Of course, the people who raised me must have loved me. So if they did something bad to me, then what did I do? And that's that's the that's I think is the the horribly vicious cycle in which a person starts blaming themselves when they had nothing to do with it. My father attempted to tell my mother over the years, "Look, they they were not right, and you know you, you did nothing wrong." But I, this is where you have to really value people with medical uh, psych, psychological training as. They are much more well trained to understand what is going in, going on there. But getting back to the the, the relationship, my, my father, for the, for the most part, well, my mother's mental and, and her physical health suffered from her mental health. So my father, sometime around, I, I would imagine sometime around when, when me and my brother and my sister, I've, I've got two other siblings that are we're all about four years uh, with an age. Sometime when we were early in our, our, our early teen years, I think he fully realized just how hurt she was. And he, my father was a very, very devout, loyal man. He believed in marriage. He believed in taking care of someone even when they're sick. And I know my father told me that there was no way he could possibly leave my mother or divorce my mother. He thought that she would not do well on her own, and he was probably right. So he was committed to doing the best he could and my father was overwhelmed. He did not know what to do. He didn't have the education or the training. And yes, it is true. Uh, having a loved one that does everything they can to offer emotional support is extremely important. It is not enough. Um, that's why I always want to encourage people. You must understand that when you're when you're being when you're being abused to some extent, your your brain has got to be. Be, being wired, you know, and you have to understand that you have to see a professional because they know that and they have the training to start helping you to understand what's going on in your own head. My father, my mother, my father loved my mother, um, but their relationship was very strained because of the abuse she suffered and the fact that she could not, you know, receive the proper medical help that she was entitled to and should have received. Um, but unfortunately, she, she just could not do well, and there's a lot more resources out there now than there were 20 years ago even. Yes. So, which hopefully we can prevent some of this stuff from ha repeating itself throughout future generations. Did your mother try to seek help at any point? I, I It's one of those questions where based on the responses my dad did... It sounds like my dad tried to get her to go get treatment, but she would not do it. Um, and like I said, I think the reasons why she would not do it is somewhat, I think, because of maybe the cultural, the upbringing, the type of generation that my, you know, my, my parents were early baby boomers, you know, born right after the war. And I, I it's one of those topics where I, I don't know if I'm really qualified to know exactly what her thinking was on it, but... I think one of the reasons why a lot of people, especially in, in my parents' generation, was there was this unfair thought where it was like, you know, if I if I if I talk about mental um, 
you know, things I'm suffering from that are, you know, psychologically, there's a perception of, of weakness and they're afraid of, of appearing weak and they'd rather not talk about it. And I think that that type of, um, very briefly to put this in there, um, I, I did a few years in the military. It kind of reminds me of like back in the day where they, they were afraid of being viewed as weak because they were, you know, they were suffering mentally. And it, I think it was part of culture that just like our intelligence and our emotional intelligence and our understanding of what human beings are and how we, how we react. Luckily in this day and age, we, we know that you have to be extremely strong to confront those things. Um, and it never helps when you have culture or, 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 or history where people are getting false information about it being perceived as weakness. But yeah, I think that's the problem was my mother, I think my father tried to encourage her, but I think my mother was, you know, she she felt she was experiencing unfair shame and guilt. That was probably a combination of, of her feeling like she didn't want to be a burden to anyone or that she didn't want to appear weak to anybody. And, and, and I mean, I'm sure if anyone who ever studies uh, history, American history knows that we have never treated people uh, with whether it be mental illness or, or abuse. We've never treated people sexual abuse. We've never treated people fairly or or as compassionately as, as, as hopefully now we will yeah. what was your mother's social life like it was very limited to immediate family um her her, her day-to-day was being a mother her her friends she had a few friends when um my, my mother you know she, she was originally from new york uh raised in yonkers new york it's a very you know very interesting neighborhood from what I understand. Um, and when she got out of the house at a younger age, at 17, she she was on her own for about five, six years um, before she met my dad, who was in the Navy at the time. Um, and from what I understood, my mother was, she was very strong-willed. She, she didn't have an education, unfortunately. Uh, didn't have a college education. So she did what any hardworking person did. She worked five jobs. I mean, she... At one point, uh, she worked as a fashion model. Uh, she worked as an assistant at a, at, at a, at a newspaper. Uh, she, I mean, from what I could, from what I could gather, for the early uh, early part of her twenties, my mother was just working, working, working. And of course, she did have have a social life. She had a few close friends that she knew as a young adult. Uh, but sometime in her late twenties, when she married my dad, uh, they moved out to St. Louis, um, where I, where I, uh, where they where we were raised and I hate to say it like this, but she never was able to continue to make friends. She, I I think it was because I think as we get older, um, maybe our, our type of friendship clicks change a bit. You know, you go from the the people you knew in high school uh, to the people, you know, as a young adult being in college or if you were in the military. Um, and then there comes like that, you know, that friendship that's around, I have a family, you have a family. So now you're having the, the dinner, you know, the dinner dates and whatnot. But when you get to that point in your life, I, I suspect that you have to be able to talk about your family. And if you're talking about your family, you talk about yourself. And my mother's not going to, my mother wasn't going to be talking about her upbringing and what it was like. So I think that, I think it was hard for her to form friends as she went on in life because the, the, the type of friendship shifted a bit about what you talk about. But unfortunately, I have to say that outside of what I mean, immediate family, of course, my dad had a, has, has a great family. So and, and I don't know what this has come off wrong, but if anyone who knows that, if you have in-laws, you're friends with your in-laws, but you might not have been friends with those people if they weren't actually your in-laws in the first place. So my mother was, 
friends with a lot of people who were my dad's first, you know, relatives and first cousins, and they were always very accepting of my mother. But unfortunately, outside of her, her children and and uh, the immediate family, the first cousins, I, she really did not have a whole lot of close friends as an adult. What was her health like? Her health was very, very bad. Um, to this day, I don't, I don't know. How how much of the physical health she had was was a correlation effect or a direct effect between, um, you know, and, and, and I, I don't want this, I don't want what I'm about to say here to come off wrong, but I want to be very honest. Um, I think that if you're a, a survivor of abuse and you're not receiving proper medical attention for it, treatment, um, it's going to affect your brain, your chemistry, what goes on. Um, so my mother definitely suffered abuse at these uh, people, um, never received proper treatment, and I think it was it was causing a lot of mental illness for her. Um, and her health suffered from it. Um, if there are eating disorders that are tied to emotional damage, my mother suffered from that. Um, if there is psychological you know, damage that, that, that affects your stress level and, and how that influences your health. She suffered from that. Now, to give you a more direct answer, um, my mother, um, you know, by her early 30s, um, her health was in really bad shape. She, uh, her, 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 it's, it's hard to, it's one of these things that I hate talking about, but there were times when my mother was so, um, physically in pain that she would cry. And what she did was um, she would do all the housework. My mom was, for the most part, when we were young, a stay-at-home uh, mom, which, of course, is three jobs for, for anyone who doesn't have their head up their butt. You know, that's a, that's a hell of a thing to do. Um, and my mother worked hard. She would wake up at 5 in the morning, pack the, the lunch. Um, she would scrub. Um, the house was, was, was immaculate. The house was clean. She would once a week would go into the, the refrigerator and wipe off and, and organize all the jars. She had a certain amount of, 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 of an obsessive cleanliness where she wanted to make sure that everything was clean. And, and uh, you know, uh, I think it was because she was find, trying to find a way to, to devalue to what she was doing as, as a mother and as a person who was a home, home taker. Um, but as, as time went on, her physical health was getting worse and worse. And what, what would happen a lot of times is she would have such severe psychological problems that when we were around, you know, she would pretend that everything's all right. But once we were outside and she didn't realize you would come back inside, sometimes she would go up to the bedroom and you could hear her crying. Um, it was very hard. And I noticed that happened uh, here and there. And, and I mean, it was the sort of thing where it was like it had to been some sort of a, I don't mean that this is a medical diagnosis, but... Um, a severe depression that would cause crying bouts. She would try to do that when nobody was looking or she didn't think anyone was around to see it happen. But that she got so um, hammered that she would go and, and, and sometimes cry. And she, it, it's hard because I do believe that our, our, psych, uh, our, our mental uh, affects our body, right? And my mother's physical health was definitely affected by our mental health. And, and, and just to put it... You know, put it as, as um, straightforward as I could. Her, her health as an adult in her 30s onward was poor. 
She died of a heart attack when she was 54. She was morbidly uh, obese and, um, you know, it's it's not easy to, to, to get older. I mean, I'm a 40-something. I go to the gym every day. You, you got to understand the math of if you want to be height-weight proportionate and, you, and your metabolism is starting to slow down, then you have to realize that for a guy like me, you know, I can't eat more than 2,200 calories and I got to hit the gym, but now my knees hurt. I can't run. You know, she, when she made it in her 40s or whatnot, her health was kind of snowballing and she wasn't, she wasn't physically working out and her diet wasn't what it should have been. And when you're feeling like, you know, I think my mother felt like, you know, you know, the world because of the people who were supposed to love her because they didn't do it uh, in, a, in a good way. You put all that together and it just causes mental and physical illness. And my mother, unfortunately, suffered very heavily poor health as an adult. I would recommend for you to read uh, The Body Keeps a Score and The Deepest Well. Those are two books I think you would find very interesting insight on the connection between childhood trauma and physical health and mental health and how they all are connected. And I'll send you the link after the show. Um, what kind of behaviors were unusual about her? Okay. So the, 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 you know, some of these are based on what I, I think I already realized when, when I was a child, but some of it's kind of reflection back now as an adult. Um, my mother was, my mother was paranoid. Um, there were times when, I mean, every child at one point breaks, you know, dad's stereo or breaks mom's, you know, Voss. But there were times when it was like, if something was out of place, there was an assumption that you were in her stuff when you, when you weren't. I mean, as a 12-year-old boy, I really wasn't interested in going through my mom's wardrobe. I, you know, um, there was always an assumption that you were, you were doing something. And it, it, was, it was beyond what I think was typical probably for most parents. Um, another, another type of um, thing that was unusual about my mother's behavior was it was like the OCD stuff. Um, I, you know, I, I don't really know what causes something like that to arise exactly, but I think it was part of the, um, when you're suffering as an adult to um, give credit to yourself for the hard work you do, I think it comes to the point where it's like, well, my job is to make sure this place is immaculate. I'm going to clean, I'm going to clean, I'm going to clean, I'm going to clean, I'm going to clean. I don't know if it's always just because, you know, uh, it's it's uh, anything that is, you know how it, 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 it seems like in pop culture we seem to have this belief of every every behavior that someone does more than once gets labeled as obsessive or compulsive and but in my mother's case, there were some things she, that she just couldn't relax, constantly cleaning stuff. And, and, um, and I, I, another thing that I noticed as an adult looking back on, especially when I had some conversations with my dad, was um, there was always seemed to be with, with my mother um, kind, of, kind of assuming that my dad wasn't always um, sharing um, information with her about, about, you know, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is common. I don't know. But at the dinner table, and you know, I, I had that experience where we would try to have dinner at a dinner table where you sit down and use the 
fork on this and the salad fork on the right and no television. Then it got a little bit older, especially when the, my brother and sister went off to college. You know, now we're a little more TV dinner. But uh, definitely in my earlier years, uh, we sat down at a table. And my father, I think, was like most 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 men. You know, he was like, um, he wouldn't mind sharing what he did at the office, but his job was boring. He worked for the phone company. He didn't want to talk about his day at work because he didn't have anything to talk about, right? Um, but my mother was like, you talk, talk, why, don't, don't, why won't you talk to me about what was at work? And it's like, you know, like, it's like, I work for the phone company. We make sure phones get turned on and off. Um, kind of same thing at school. It's like, you know, uh, I, I mean, yes, on the surface, you'd say, of course, a parent wants to know what, what, what your day at school was like. But aside from playing in the band and playing a little bit of baseball and going through the, the normal K through 12, there comes a point where you look at them and go, the reason why I don't have anything to say to you is I had a boring day at school. Nothing weird happened. I just, you know, the bell went off. But there was always this kind of weird thing where she would look at you like, you're not sharing, you're not sharing, you're refusing to talk. And I think maybe that might have been one of those things where because she had a trouble talking about her her personal stuff, maybe she was putting that on other people. And that's the sort of thing that I honestly think uh, could, could probably constrain a married couple where one spouse is like just assuming something is wrong and the other spouse is just thinking – um, I just don't have anything to say. My, my father's a good man, but in you know, I don't want to. I don't want to put men in one box. But you know, there's old comedy jokes that go with a blue collar comedy tour. That you know, the, the the joke that they have where the wife wants to know all the all the stuff that happened, and the husband's like, "What happened?" He's like, "I don't know." You know, it, it, you know. Sometimes us men are are very to the point, and we don't really like to gossip. You know. My father was very much like that. He doesn't like to gossip. He doesn't like to talk about anybody's other's personal life. So when my mom was like, what was your day at work like? Why won't you talk to me about work? And he's like, I'm telling you the truth. Nothing happened. That that was a weird thing. Because that, it, it, you know, I think, it, I, think it, I think it drove him a little bit up the wall at times, you know. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know how much uh, of the stuff I thought, thought was kind of weird was just normal married people versus maybe an abnormal marriage situation. But I would say the biggest things I noticed that were different my mom was she was always a little bit paranoid. Uh, she definitely had something that was, if not, it was OCD-like. Um, and there was, and I guess what I'm getting at, I think there was a bit of a mistrust, you know. Uh, even, if, even if it was a lesser amount, it was still a bit of a mistrust. What did you make of her as a parent or with her parenting? Um, so the duality of my mother as a parent, um, there were times when she could be charming. Um, she could be the coolest person in the room. One of the things I liked about my mother was she was not a racist. She was not a sexist. She did not give a F about, you know, the, the stuff that a person who has that mindset would, would, would stress on. If you were fair and honorable to her, she was fair and honorable to you. She never really talked much about cultural things. Like, obviously, she grew up in the 60s with the civil rights issues and stuff. But my mother would be someone who would say, look, you know, we can't deny that, you know, there are differences with people because of their life experiences. But my mother would have been the first person to say, you should always get to know the individual and treat them based on who they are, not what you are. Yeah, you know, my mother was cool like that. And when she was a friend, like I said, she didn't have that many friends, but she was very loyal. 
She really was a very loyal person. Now, that, of course, makes her some very great qualities, I think, as a parent. Now, because of a lot of the abuses she had, um, I think she was fighting herself. I think, I think what something that's kind of hard, probably for people who are who are abused, um, especially you know um, severely severely abused. And if you if you want clarification, what I mean by all that, I'll be more than happy to offer that. But generally speaking, I think you know not 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 for this to come off wrong, but you know if 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 once in twenty years uh, somebody lost it, your parent lost it, smacked you one day, yeah, that's not supposed to happen. A lot of studies show that you should never use you know you probably should use corporal punishment, but if every once in a blue moon someone lost it and smacked the kid, that is not the experience she had growing up. She had people that physically, psychologically, sexually abused her every day of her life until she was seventeen and it was it was a it was a uh, a very bad spot. So I think what happened with my mother is, to some extent, let's be honest here, um, we tend to gravitate towards emulating the the behaviors of the people who raised us. So my mother, my mother was always constantly realizing that okay, when it came to time to discipline, um, she, on one level, when it was time to discipline because we did something wrong, she was usually t- asking my dad to take care of it. Because my mom was always afraid she was going to snap. And to be honest with you, there were a few times when she snapped. Like um, there was one time when, when I didn't clean something the right way. And I, this only happened a few times in my, in my childhood. And I want to make sure people understand it really only happened a few times. One time my mother snapped. I must have been around 13 or 14. Yes, I was a bigger kid, but I was still just a 13, 14-year-old. My mother snapped. I think she saw red and she just started punching me in the back, right? And, you know, it's, it's, as soon as it happened, um, I think she left and went out and, and started crying because she did it. And she would apologize after something that, like that would, that happened. Um, it is so easy, I think, for people who've been traumatized, um, programmed a bit to, 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 you know, emulate it. That's why, while I don't believe it's ever all right to say, well, okay, these people did this to me, I'm going to do it to you. Of course, that's not right. I do understand that to some extent we get wired a bit, you know, and the physical stuff only happened a few times, but some things that, something that's, a, that's an example of something that unfortunately did happen a lot was my mother could emotionally put you down a lot. My my father came from the type of family where there's lawyers and there's doctors and there's guys working in aerospace and, you know, they really were taught with that philosophy of if you just work hard enough, if you want to be president, you can, you just got to work your butt off. You just can't be lazy. You have to do the work. My mother didn't come from that background. You know, my mother came from the you know type of people that were, you know, telling you that you were lower than low and you should know your place. One of the few things I remember my mom telling me was my mom, you know, told the man whose house she was in. I, this terminology is, is something that I choose to use because she wasn't raised by these people. It's a, it's a backstory that's pretty bad. Um, but like when my mother was like 14 or 15, she's looking at the, I, I, you know, she wants to have a better life. So she tells the man uh, whose house she was in that I, I think I want to join the military so I can maybe, you know, go and, um, you know, see the world. And of course she might be thinking she can get an education, maybe the GI Bill, stuff like that. And this man apparently said to her, it's like, you're a woman. Women don't go in the military. You should know your role. You know? Um, 
and unfortunately, that type of a mentality, my mom was struggling not to snap, uh, you know, when she would see red, but she was a little less mindful of the fact that, you know, you have to be very mindful, I think, when you're, when you're with family and loved ones or anyone for that matter, to realize that you can create, you can create a lot of harm for a person um, if you're constantly putting them down and, 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 because I think to some extent, especially when when people are younger, is you have to you have to encourage people to to to, to seek discipline, to seek education, but you have to convince people that as long as you're willing to do the work and, and and work for it, you can do it. But if you're if you've been programmed at a young age that you, you fall into class or groups or sub sub subhuman you know demographics or whatever you want to call it. That was the thing that was hard for my mom, and she didn't even realize she was putting people down a lot. She, she'd be like, "Here's an example, so if you want to understand, like, right? Um, I, I think I was on a spelling test when I was in this fourth grade, right? I couldn't spell to save my life, but rather than say, okay, uh, Bob or Bob, yeah, my mom called me Bob, right? Okay, Rob, um, you made a mistake on this. Um, why don't you write the word ten times and then correct it? Now, my mother wasn't like that. My mother would look at the, uh, the spelling test and goes, well. Um, Obviously, you're not you're not very smart with this, so you're not going to do very well with that. You know, it I, it's kind of hard for me to to put it uh, to, to to a perfect scenario, but it was just very easy um, for my mother to put people down, and I don't even think she was doing it a lot. And unfortunately, as a parent, I think that's a very harmful thing because you don't want to blow smoke. Like I personally, I can't stand uh, any generation which says. You should just get a trophy because you participated. No, you, you you should get a trophy because you worked hard. But you know you, you got to understand that to to achieve things in life, you got to put the work in. You know, you, you, if you want to go to Mars one day, then you got to do the math and you got to do the science. And and if, and if your math teacher says you're not working hard enough, you need to do the math. Your response as a parent should be, "You're right. My child needs to." Put in the effort. I will sit down and help them. I will encourage them. I will tell them the truth, which is if you want to, if you want to go far in the world, it's going to fall on your shoulder, right? But the one thing a parent should never, ever do is just assume, okay, they're dumb or they don't have what it takes. And, and the reason why that happens, like for my mom, was people who raised her, put her down constantly. So that happened a lot. Um, and um, so that that was something I noticed by my, my, my mother as a parent. Um I was mindful of that at a young age. I realized she was doing that. I also realized at a relatively young age that she was doing that because someone did that to her. I've been very lucky my entire life. I was I was very analytical and observant of, of my mother and my father and understood things going on even at, a, at an early age. But you know what? You know when you talk about the, the 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 different types of abuses that repeat, I think that's wise that we we tend to get programmed and emulate. Feels comfortable. Feels normal. And that's why it's hard to break behaviors that you may not even know are not a good idea. Wow. It goes as the old saying, hurt people hurt people. Yes, it's, it's un- unfortunately true. Um, did you see her pain manifest and manifest and with her suffering? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I, I said earlier that uh, she had crying bouts that she tried to hide. Um, and in a way, I, I think, I think when I say, you know, uh, she had these moments where she would put people down. I, I don't want to uh, talk about my brother and sister because one, they don't know I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I haven't asked her permission to talk about it. And, and, 
you know, of course, I think that you should have people's permission to give any real details. But I will say this much is that, you know, um, it impacted me a little bit. It impacted my brother and sister a little bit and who they became. Um, and I think one of the one of the things that manifests is when you've had a hard upbringing and you never receive proper help, and you never receive uh, the treatment that you should receive, that you rightfully deserve. If you don't, if you don't receive that type of treatment, you know, it is going to impact the people you love. It's going to impact the children you're raising. It's going to impact the person you marry. It's going to impact any friends you have. And the thing that's unfortunate is if you're not willing to talk about it, let alone with a professional, you know, how can you explain that to somebody uh, who's not going to totally understand? You know, I, I would have first or second cousins that would would see a little glimpse of my mother acting strangely. And unfairly for her, they would they would have no real understanding of what what what's caused that or why she's having those problems. Um, because let alone if a family does it, let alone if, if the person who suffered from it is trying to hide from it. And I hate to say it like that. To some extent, that's kind of kind of how I feel like it uh, when my mother was not receiving treatment. Um, you know, it, it's it's going to impact. And, and I know how. I don't. I don't think what I'm about to say here is selfish. I think it's just. I think it's just realistic. If you, you know, have suffered abuse um, and you're going to be a parent, you got to get treatment not only for yourself but for the people you might raise because that's all going to. It's going to weigh on everyone in your life. And again, I, I don't want that to come out wrong, but I am just trying to give a reality here. I. I wasn't. I wasn't raised by a woman who was abused, sexually abused, who was receiving treatment. I was raised by a woman who was sexually abused, who could not could not handle going to get help. And I'm telling you, that I can only assume that maybe life and her, her parenting and her decision-making and the way she handled herself would have been um, influenced had she received it. So, I mean, if, you're, if you want to be a great parent, um, you know, you, you have to admit uh, that you're going to, uh, this stuff is going to impact you as a parent. So like I'm saying, I'm, I'm speaking not just as someone who loved my mother, but also someone who is concerned about anyone listening to this, that you, you should also receive treatment, not just because you deserve treatment, but because the people in your life, they also deserve for you to get treatment. All right. And I don't know any else way of saying that. It's, it's going to help you, but it's also going to help the people you love about. And there's no doubt that, you know, you love them. But, you know, love is many variations and many degrees and many, many realities. And one of the realities of when you love someone is, is sometimes you have to do something that's going to hurt you to help them, you know. And I think that's one of those things I wish my mother could have done. I wish she could have got help because for the, for the influences it had on her, on her husband and her children, um, I think it would have helped us a little bit if she would have received more help. Um. Did you ever have any contact with her abusers, and who were they? No. My mother did not want us to ever make contact with the people who, who uh, uh, brought her up. Now, let me just tell you what I know, all right? My mother's biological mother, um, apparently, she learned this later in life. When she, my mother was trying to figure out what exactly happened to bring her into such a bad situation. Um, my biological grandmother, my, my mother's mother, um, apparently when she was very young at 18, she married somebody in the state of New Jersey. And then at the age of 19, she married somebody in the state of New York and never divorced the guy in New Jersey. 
Um, and my mother, uh, uh, my at this point, my mother and also her brother that was only about a year younger had just was on the way. So this guy basically was like, you know, threw her out, threw her out of the house, threw a 19 year old girl out of the house and said, you know, you're, you're a bad woman. Right. And he also didn't want to raise the two children, um, whether they were his biological children or not, he didn't want anything to do with them. Well, what happens is this woman knew the biological husband and was always envious, apparently, because she was in love with this guy. And um, this, is, this is really horrendous, but it's true. She, she offered to adopt or to take in my mother and her brother. My, and this, my uncle, I never met him because he died in the 70s. Um, he, got, he got cancer and died before I came along. And, and uh, unfortunate because... My mother always spoke so very heartwarmingly about her brother. He, he had her back uh, when she was a young person. Um, and I would, I would imagine he also experienced abuses from, from these people. Um, but, you know, uh, what happened was, uh, this is a very messed up situation. And I think it's, it's important to understand, by my painting this picture, uh, hopefully it will, it will let people know that, yeah, you're not alone. You're, you, you did nothing wrong. My mother uh, and her brother were adopted by this woman who was in love with the biological uh, grandfather, um, but didn't like the biological mother and basically told the mother that, hey, I'll take your two kids in. But the best way to, ex to, ex to explain what was going on was she did it out of spite. She was upset that this man never was interested in her and almost like saying, I'm going to get back at you. I'm going to take these two people in. And yeah, I, I can understand where some of the listeners are going, are you sure of that? Yeah, based on everything my mother could come to understand, right? Uh, now these people, um, the, the woman that was this guy's husband, she was, a, she was an alcoholic, physically abusive. Um, I think, a, I think a, a, good, a good way of understanding what happens when people are young. My mother, I remember even telling this to my mother. I said, Mom, I'm, I'm sorry to have to tell you this. But you were experiencing abuse from the day they brought you. And she used to tell a story like, well, when I got a little bit older, they seemed to be really warm to me when I was an infant. But when I got to six or seven, suddenly they, they got worse and worse and worse. Like, no, mom, you were just young. You didn't realize it, right? Um, but the alcoholic would beat her. Um, my mother, I, I know she suffered sexual abuse because she could talk. You understand, my mother never talked about this to me or my brother and sister, I would, I would suppose, when we were children. But as young adults, she was trying to explain why we never met these people. And basically, the alcoholic, she was always, you know, she was always, you know, not, not in the right mind. And she would either beat my mother or look the other way when he would do something to her. And th this story bothers me, uh, but he, when my mother was getting a little bit older, when, I guess when she was entering her teenage years, they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a standalone shower, so they had to take you know bird baths in the in the sink. Um, very poor um, uh, family, uh, you know, home and all that. And my mother was like, it's just like she noticed that this guy was starting to stare at her when she's when she's barely just entering her teen years. And I and my mother told me that you know she she told me some things about the physical abuse, but I think understandably that. Well, she might be able to say, yeah, they punched me and stuff. 
she wasn't going to talk about anything else, you know, uh, that she, you know, I, I would imagine that there's got to be different levels of things you could, you could talk to. And like I said, the only reason my mother ever started to really talk about this stuff was that she knew that she was not typical. You know, she knew that her, her as she got on in life, she was able to admit that her behavior was, was influenced. And I think she was trying to find a way to saying, I didn't want to be like this. Um, and she was trying to offer explanation. And, and, and honestly, as, as a child, uh, especially an adult child, I understood where she was coming from. And I, I did everything in my power to let her know that I know it was never your fault, you know. But do you know it's not your fault? So these people, these people were just not good from the start. And, you know, to give you an idea of just how weird they were in their head. And this is the thing. And I, 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 want, I, want, and I want the listeners to know this. I have no doubt that the man and the woman who did this to my mother, they must have been psychologically abused themselves. Whatever the context, whatever the situation, they must have been. Because the sort of things they did to her was just that can only occur to somebody who, who doesn't know that's not right. That is not the way your brain and the way you treat people is supposed to operate. Now, here, here's a weird story. It, it sounds a little comical, but I, I got two more stories to explain these people, all right? One was when my parents got married. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't around for another four years. But my grandfather, my, my grandfather was a typical uh, Irish-American guy. He you know, went to church three times a week, uh, very devout family man, but did not know my mother that well when, when my dad introduced you know, and during the marriage, that, uh, that round where you start getting gifts from the family. Well, some, for some reason, my, my, my grandfather, uh, he received a, a present that was addressed to my mother and my father, you know, and he, he didn't understand it. So he starts to open it because uh, it went to him with uh, uh, my father and grandfather had the same first name. Um, and so they, they, uh, uh, they start to open it and they, then they realize it's a, it's a wedding gift. Well, anyway, what's inside the wedding gift after you take off the bow, the bow and the plastic was just tissue paper. These people sent a wedding gift to my mother and father that was filled with tissue papers. It was just another way for them to give a middle finger to my mom. And then when, when, the, and then when the guy who raised her died, you know, he, he must've died. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It must've been like late nineties, right? My, this was the time when my mother had a perfect example about having to tell me too much about what was wrong with them. My mom said, my mom sits me down at the, dinner t uh, at the table one day after school. I must've been 16 or 17, old enough to understand where she's coming from. She says, she says to me, you know, you know, Robbie, I, I'm going to show you a picture so you can understand why I never wanted you to know these people. She, she, she slides me a picture she had just got mailed. And basically what it was, was the woman who was married to the guy. Um, he had just died. And there was a picture, uh, of her name, um, Blank. I just don't want to put her name out there. Um, just letting you know we're thinking of you. It was her over the gravestone of the man who who sexually abused her. Um, the woman who was the alcoholic. They're over a gravesite. This picture was taken in the late nineties at the time. You know, it was a you know, and 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 she mailed it to my mother. You know, who was living in the Midwest. Um, my mom opens it and says, the point of this was she just wanted me to be uncomfortable. She just wanted to, to hurt me. And it, it, it you know, you, you open it and it's like, literally it's, she had written on it. She's, she's standing over the tombstone of the guy. Um, and, 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 and he's saying, just letting you know, we're thinking of you. Now, I don't know 
you can interpret all, all you want, but there's no doubt that, that that's the sort of thing that would create problems. My, my mother, it's not that she didn't want to try to find a way to talk or communicate, but she knew that she could not let us be around them. They were back east. We were in the Midwest. My mother wanted to explain to us that, you know, she had made a, uh, made a decision that my father's family was very good people, which they are, um, and that it would be best for, for us not, never to have any contact with them. This is what she did. That seems like she was trying to keep you safe. She was. And based on the few examples, like that photograph or the story about the, the thing and a few other things, I, I totally understand why she did it. And personally, um, you know, I'm, I'm of course assuming they're, uh, she would have died probably years ago. But, you know, I, you know I, I have no regrets knowing what I know about not having that. Because, I mean, that's not a family. You know, there's, there, there was nothing lost. I didn't have another set of grandparents. You know, grandparents, even if they're flawed, loved ones, even if they're flawed, love, love pe people who love you can have flaws and they, they can make mistakes. But at some point, they have to want to love you. And it's unfortunate, but the people who raised my mother did not want to love her. How did this affect her faith? Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you, my, my, uh, my father was raised by a devout Catholic and of course, you know, Christianity and Catholicism, you know, raised by, you know, my, my, my grandfather being the greatest generation, you know, I think, I think just generationally speaking, it's just very common to go to church and not think about it. My father, um, he had, he had a lot of, uh, religious and Christian, you know, just, just programming, right? I don't really know if my mother was really ever a, um, religious person i don't honestly know if she really had thoughts about that she never talked about it but she did say something and and, and i hope they understand this this is her sense of humor <laughs> i sometimes i remember one time i asked my mother's like okay she said, i went to public school my, my brother's just went to public school but we had to do that thing where we were being raised um to go to a calf to go to, to go to the catholic mass on sunday but because but because we went to to uh public we had to go to a psr we had to go to the crash course you would take to teach you about you know God and Jesus, right? Um, and I remember one day saying, "Mom, I, I I don't really you don't you don't strike me." I told my mom, I was "Like you you remind me of me a bit on this. Like I'm not really a religious person. I'm not really a believer, but you remind me of like that. Are you a believer?" And my mom said, "Look, son, I want to be honest with you." She never really answered, but she said, "When you get married, I just want to make sure you have the option of getting married in a beautiful church and not just the justice of the peace." And I know, I, I, to me, this is comical, but my mother's straightforward answer to that was, well, you know, getting married in a church is beautiful and getting married, you know, before the, uh, you know, the justice of the peace or whatever that's called it. <laughs> yeah. But that's the only real answer I ever got from my mom on that. Now, now to, to try to use my own, my own intuition, um, I, I don't think she was a religious person. Now, that's not to believe, that's not to say that she's not. She didn't have some spiritual views or she didn't believe in a higher power. I mean, obviously, this is kind of theology 101. You can, you, you can understand that there is organized religion and then there's a belief in a higher power and, and people can be separate. I, I know my mother was not really, well, I guess, I guess by default, my mother believed in the power of organized religion, but I don't honestly know what her spiritual views are. It, it, religion, uh, from what I could tell, was not a priority of my mother. She... She married into my father's family, and my father's family was 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 Irish Catholic. So that was 
that was, I think, my mother's relationship was my father. That's you know, she married into my fa- my family, and that was just the norm, uh, you know, growing up. Now, me personally, um, for any listener, I just hope you know I am not a heathen, but I am actually an atheist. Um, but I, I'm an I'm an open-minded atheist. I have no understanding of where it all comes from. I don't believe that any human being anytime soon is going to understand that question. Science is a great and powerful tool, but a, but but a little bit of humility admitting that you know nature has a thirteen point six billion fourteen billion year head start. Why would we assume that in a, in a laboratory we'd have all the answers within a few hundred years? My point being is. I am not turned off to believe in a higher power. At the very least, I believe that, you know, helping each other is a sign of love. And as far as I'm concerned, if your God is the belief that you have a responsibility to take care of each other and to help people, even help people that, you know, um, don't care about you, you know, love thy enemy, you know, I do believe in that. But no, I mean, me personally, not, I'm not religious um, and, and totally fine with there not being anything more than, than, you know, life and then the end of it. But to my mother, um, I don't honestly know if she wasn't religious because of her upbringing, you know. To some extent, I know people find religion. Some people find find Christ or God or they have their Buddhist beliefs or they believe in reincarnation, whatever it might be. You can find that, but obviously uh, to a great extent, um, the upbringing has a lot to do with the likelihood of your, your beliefs probably. Anyway. Is there <laughs> anything else you would like to share before we wrap up? Yes, I do. Um, I'm hoping I can put this well. Um, I think, in, uh, and, 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 and of course, Rachel, thank you very much for having me on. I do appreciate it. Uh, I do hope that this can help people. I just want to say to people who are out there, I just want to make something very clear. I also want to just to say, to say this. Um, you are loved, all right? People love you. Um, your friends, your family, they love you. And they do understand that um, it's hard for you. They know that it's hard for you to talk about it. They know that if you talk about the bad things that people did to you, that you're reliving it. They know you don't want to do that. But if you want to try to have a better quality of life, the likelihood is you will have a better quality of life if you receive treatment because then you can start to heal a little bit. And I'm going to be honest with you, I, I don't believe for a second that you can wave a magic wand. Uh, if you were hurt, that hurt will be with you. But, you know, as a guy who was in the service, I knew I had friends of mine, that we were in the military, that they lost limbs, they were hurt. You're, you're not going to get the arm back. But to, to, to live your life, you've got to receive the treatment that, uh, that that's best available. Now, to get away from talking about that, I just, I just want to get right back to, uh, you know, this topic is about sexual abuse, right? I would imagine that um, of all the different types of abuses, this has got to be the one that probably impacts people the hardest. And that's why it's the hardest for you. And that's why, like, when you come on this show or you receive treatment. But the one thing I'm going to tell you, I, I am a son of a, uh, of a woman. She passed away. She was a very loving person. Um, while she had flaws, her flaws were not because she was a bad person. Her flaws were not because she was inferior. Her flaws were not. Her flaws were because she was brought into a, a, a bad situation. She was brought into a horrible startup. Um, and 
it's just our psychological wiring. We want to start to blame ourselves. We want to, we want to say that we had something to do with it. I'm telling you as a son of this woman, right? It's not your fault. You did nothing wrong. And yes, it is going to be hard for you to talk about. It's going to be hard for you to go professionals and whatnot. But I'm telling you, you will have a better quality of life, the, the better potential for you, yourself, if you do get the treatment, if you go for it. And no, you're not going to wake up one day and it's all going to be gone. But you'll be better day by day. I do believe you'll be better day by day. And yes, I do, of course, believe you owe it to your family and your loved ones. But I'm telling you this because my mother... My mother not, never got this. No one could ever explain this to her. You do absolutely deserve to get love and treatment because you deserve it. You do deserve it. And you, you do have to be brave and it's hard, but be brave. You, you owe it to yourself. So please, I'm telling you, you deserve it. That, that's all I have to say. All right. Thanks, Bob, for coming on our show. Listeners, we, are, uh, we will be tuning in next week on Thursday. So thanks for listening, and you can always catch us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or uh, any of the podcast outlets, and www.rachelonrecovery.com. Thanks for listening.